Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, pay-per-views. Bloody premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by uh, Hamflet to review AEW Rampage. Bit all over the place, this show. Another turkey sharted out by North America's worst wrestling promotion. It would seem to be well, let's keep this going for another week. I want the fights. I want the fury. Oh, no, I don't really. But the problem was, this was... Um, a middling rampage when I was willing, knowing that I was doing this review today for a, just a really good one. Yeah. I needed a bit of time off the Aggie from the AEW Ultras, and I didn't get the show that I could heap on uh, the praise that mm. we would typically afford for a really great... Th- this was far from a bad wrestling show, but I made an off-air comparison as we were prepping recording that I'm deciding that I'm going to promote to podcast conversation because I don't feel particularly good about it. There are certain matches, and there's a couple on this show, in fact... The AW by default kind of being the better of the two promotions almost all the time, sometimes feel like wrestling for wrestling's sake. Yeah. And the last time I felt like that on a regular basis was Black and Gold NXT. Um the tail end. It's a fair of, assessment of I think, Black yeah. and Gold NXT, especially. Um there are hotter characters. There's obviously a crowd that are typically up for it and into mm-hmm, it. And mm-hmm. there are ongoing storylines, even if they're only kind of the crumbs of storylines on Rampage compared to the, the full loaf on a dynamite. But yeah, it was a little bit too much wrestling for wrestling's sake for me. So there was one promo that, and again, some more off-air crack we had about the merits of WWE versus AEW all of 17 days into the calendar year. <laughs> but there was one promo feeding the best thing going in AEW on this show. Yes. That was... Probably one of the best things in all of wrestling last week. Mm-hmm. So, like, even a, a kind of middling rampage can have something as good as that, which kind of reminds you what AEW's offering is all about. Yeah, exactly. But uh, as an hour, I wasn't terribly captivated. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, we'll go through it in due course, of course. Uh, I had a nice break from 
AEW hate over the weekend because uh, WWE fans turned on me. <laughs> I showed you the tweet. Uh, you did, were in the office did, when yeah. we were because I was joking about it with you before I bit tweeted. Of fun it. In a, bit of fun in a SmackDown preview. There's a thirty-second preview, preview. They sometimes I assume put on telly in the states, but they put it on WWE.com and it's like tonight on SmackDown, it's uh, Seth freaking Rollins to face to face with Roman Reigns. Look at all the history they've got. And granted, they did use a shot that featured. Uh, all three of the Shield with uh, with Seth Rollins twatting Roman Reigns from behind with a chair, the infamous mm-hmm. break of the Shield. Caught pretty quickly. <laughs> but in another shot, they just showed Rollins and Reigns doing the uh, two man fist bump from yeah. the Shield with no no Ambrose in sight. I think he was possibly in the back of the shot, mm-hmm. but regardless, I think it's that one where it's like, oh, we're we going to do the three. And Ambrose dives his yeah, hand in exactly, yeah, yeah, but he's yeah. not in the shot. Made a little joke about like, hey, we all remember the Shield, don't we? Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and that's it. Funny little joke, I thought, harmless. Nope, uh, the Vincels found it on Saturday morning, thought I'd tweeted it after SmackDown and said, uh, there was loads of shots of Dean Ambrose, actually. <laughs> Got called a skinny virgin yeah. uh, who protects... WWE championships because on my avatar on Twitter or whatever it's called, I've got a WWE bum bag slung over my shoulder. Uh, Fanny pack for <laughs> American fans, uh, and they said that I defend that title more than I do, or as well as I defend my virginity. So I <laughs> mean, like quite good. We, I'll give them we, that. we had a chat about this in the office this morning. I was thinking about that specific insult. Like after we'd spoke about it, that is a pretty cool way to reframe some difficult conversations with your mates in your younger days, isn't it? When that's becoming very much a point-scoring activity of adolescence and, you know, like, I, I assume this is more for young lads than young girls because, as men, we're complete fucking idiots. Yes, exactly. Um, but that's the sort of thing where, like, there can be that can be quite a high-pressure, high-stakes game in your younger sort of, or, like, you know, your teenage years. To be able to say, uh, well, actually, I've just got really great defence of my virginity. So, well, joke's on you. That's I'm, I'm effectively the undertaker of having sex. I do not lose in the defence of this streak that I've been on for my entire life. I can't lose my virginity because I never lose. Yeah, that's it. Like, oh, that's, that's, I think that, that sort of language, you give that to kids currently, not kids obviously, but teenagers maybe going through that battle with some of their mates that have maybe got to that point first. All of a sudden, you change it. I actually, I, it. ironically, I had that uh, back then. I even got some merch. Uh, it said, uh, eat, sleep, beat my meat. <laughs> so there you go. Should we talk about Rampage? I think I want some more on that. But yeah, for the benefit of the podcast, we don't want to be like one of them podcasts where you sort of, like, we all listen to them. And I worry that we're in that bit of it now for some people <laughs> where you're hitting forward 30 quite a bit. Uh, like, you know, the, you know what they've got to get to. Like, yeah. You, remember, uh, 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 Manscaped, like uh, I don't want to be, I don't want yeah. ever want to be one of them podcasts. Yeah, to be fair, fair this podcast is cooking. And speaking of cooking, Omaha steaks. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny, Hamlet. I tell you another thing: you've got to do the fake laugh into it, like clearly in a different time period, completely <laughs> different background noise. <laughs> well, I really want to hear you tell me more about uh, AW Rampage, but first, I'll say this: if you'd only just got from wrestling, Chris Jericho could uh, like cue up the news on Radio Norwich quite well, shouldn't he? <laughs> He'd get that last ten seconds after the other. <laughs> I wonder what I did with a power pack. <laughs> right, uh, let's start because this show opened with two virgins. Uh, Trent Pereira and Adam Cole. <laughs> I bet they didn't struggle, did they? Let's be honest. Uh, Adam Cole versus Trent. Uh, ten people at ringside for this one. Yeah. Um, I get it. It's part of the wider, you know. Aye. It's, what, what, like, let's talk about that, right? Because there was, there was a match here to be had and it was like very entertaining in a... Um, 
spot exchange. Preposterous way. At points, we'll isolate one in particular, but it was an exchange of spots more than it was a wrestling match, and that just looked to be what they were in the mood for. I couldn't gauge how much the crowd were actually asked about this, so I think maybe my judgment is skewed a little bit, but I I didn't sense there was a great electricity for some of the, the cavalcade of head drops we got in this one. I know that's Trent's game a little bit. We'll talk about it now. The apron pile driver was a step too far. I think, it, like, and me and Cedric have had chat over the virtual desks over this. He didn't mention the specific spot, but he sort of made a reference. Like, there was one thing that was too much for me. And I said, yeah. this spot, wasn't it? And he said, yep. And that led us into having our own little sort of internalized slack rant about it. I can tolerate probably a bit less of the no selling than Cedric can because I think he's just more attuned to those matches. Yeah. But that push things beyond the realms of believability. I was a little bit pissy about the um, the Canadian Destroyer on Battle of the Belts not being the finish. They wanted to do that spot more than they did want it to weave it into the story of a match. Sammy would beat him two minutes later with, mm-hmm. after a series of roll-up attempts yeah. when they kind of should have been dead off that. Uh, this was more egregious. This was way more egregious. Apron pile drivers, uh, you know, it was safe. But it just thought, come on, like nothing is going to feel as believable as this. I'm starting to get a little bit annoyed with the Panama Sunrise and the way in which they arrive at a Panama Sunrise Mm -hmm. in AEW. So I didn't have a great deal to say about the match, but the set dressing on a week where AEW was lambasted for the amount of interruptions, I think they might have got this one right, you know. I think it looked... Because they burn it out on Wednesday. They did all that they could. Maybe that's it, you know. Like, you had the two stables either side. AW are currently very excited about seeing any Adam Cole, Britt Baker. Like, that's a big novelty that they can enjoy. And at very least, the stables pretty much just fought with each other and got out of the way, didn't they? Mm, It wasn't the sort of thing that ultimately got in the way of the match or you didn't have somebody else coming down to get into the mix. It was pretty much just the four. Like, the the four-on-fours on the outside brawling into the back in their various combinations, leaving the wrestlers to finish off in the ring. I, d- I didn't think this was anywhere near as damaging as some of the ones on Dynamite. No, for a split second early on, I thought, who wins this? Because you don't want to beat Trent when he's just come back. And then I was thinking, actually, it's obviously Trent. Cole's the number one contender. Mm. Um, and Trent, I assume, I hope, uh, is going to turn relatively soon. And it doesn't really matter what your record is prior to that for a while. Kind of feels like, if anything, that's a justification for his turn. Mm. Like, uh, and the next Stuart sort of excused his defeat here as well. Absolutely, and yeah. it's punching the bollocks. It's a well, a low blow that wasn't really caught properly because of all the brawling. There was a bit of a distraction, but the yeah, the next affair seems to be leading to the idea that Trent has not in the same way that Miro does, but has a bit of a, a weakness since coming back, and heels are going to target, and best friends aren't going to be there for him, and all this sort of stuff. He looks more pissed off with the world just mm. with his short hair, let alone anything else. Looks great, um, yeah. Cool. They are hitting the number one contender stuff really, really hard still. So I don't know if this Orange Cassidy thing is is just a diversion. I, like, I want to believe that they're not going to go back to some longer sprawling elite versus best friends thing. And it really is just, right, we just need to get Paige and Lance Archer through this, whenever it is they're going to have their match, and then we can channel Cole to it. Yeah. Because it feels like there is nothing to do for Adam Cole until he gets paged, because they keep talking him up as this, like, undisputed, for the want of a better phrase, number one contender. Yeah, there's no juice in the fruit for me when it comes to Orange Cassidy and uh, there he is, Adam Cole. But, like, I just, like, cool, keep him busy for a couple of weeks, because we've got, what, 
let's say six, seven weeks till revolution. It's slightly awkward, two or three weeks. Yeah. Isn't it? They just need to fill. And then after that, it's your own free, isn't it? Four week yeah. build, five week build, whatever it may be. Uh, anyway, um, back and forth early on. Uh, Beretta gets the best of it. Trent does. Uh, elbow strikes to Cole's face, drop kick to send him to the outside. Uh, and as he's selling on the outside and being checked on by Young Bucks and o- o- O'Reilly and Fish, and Trent stood on the apron, uh, baffled as to why all these people are out there, probably. Uh, Cole leaps up and uh, swipes his leg to send him crashing uh, onto the apron, and the neck is being sold throughout this. Um, Cole uh, gets a near fall after hitting a hangman's neck breaker. He's working on the neck. Sends Beretta out, Beretta out to the floor with a pump kick. Uh, goes to the Panama Sunrise off the apron to the floor, uh, but Trent hits him with a backdrop, goes to spear him, uh, but Cole moves out of the way and Brett just goes headfirst into the barricade. More selling of the neck. He, uh, he does come back, uh, I think, believe after an ad break. Uh, hits a diving elbow in the corner, spinning DDT for a two count. Cole again goes for the Panama Sunrise, but Trent catches him on the middle turnbuckle, superplexes him off the top rope. That gets a near fall. Um, I did like the fact that, that Trent, in amongst all this, was selling the neck. So the mm. suplex didn't just hurt Cole. I thought that was a lovely touch. Um, Cole then fights back and hits a backstabber. Trent hits a half and half suplex. Cole hits a brain buster on his knee for another near fall. Uh, and then they are fighting on the ring apron when Trent hits Cole with a pile driver on the apron that was sold for 10 seconds. If that, if that, man. They're back in for a two count and then straight up, springing up. Ridiculous. Not, uh, on. Not on. Too far, in our opinion, but uh, I'm sure some fans will have enjoyed that. Trent goes for strong zero. Cole counters with a Canadian destroyer. That gets him a near fall. Uh, again, goes for the Panama Sunrise, uh, but Trent this time catches him with a Saito suplex and a bloody stiff lariat following that. Cole comes back with super kicks, goes to the Panama uh, Sunrise again. Uh, Trent counters that into the strong zero, goes for a pin, but thankfully Cole is just close enough to the ropes to get his foot on there. Uh, And then in amongst all this, there's a big fight out on the uh, floor between, as you mentioned, everyone at ringside. Um, And in the confusion and the distraction of the referee, Cole hoys Beretta in the cock, Mm. uh, lowers the boom, gets the pinfall victory. Yeah, not a lot else to add beyond the recap because they didn't feel like much connective tissue in the match. I liked um, Britt Baker pushing the camera out of the way to get to Chris Statlander. It was a nice, like one of them, she's really good at what feels like an improvised instinctive move mm-hmm. and it just working really well and it felt energetic. I, I don't know, it's this, there is a, a bit of a malaise over several, and again, we, we said this a lot last week, so I'm kind of bored of hearing myself say it. It's subjective. <laughs> But, like, there feels like a bit of a malaise over this elite best friends stuff. It yeah. feels very, very, like, low. Is it low energy or low effort? I honestly can't decide. But it just feels like a real middling concern. So even when you have a big brawl, it's the Dungeon of Doom water, isn't it? It's not hot. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's this thing happening in front of you more. It is something that you're feeling about. So I'm, the mixed tag, I'm really quite into it. I have a feeling. Oh, yeah, that, looking forward to that this week. I have a feeling that I'll do well. I have a feeling that the um, audience is going to be there for it. Cole and Baker, both as very similar megastar babyfaces in weight and that are really good at portraying heels. There's a lot to love about that, but I think that's the distilled, coolest, purest version of whatever this bigger feud is. Mm. Uh, then we got a great video package uh, highlighting the feud between Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez. 
God, I can't wait to see those two in a ring together. And speaking of that, uh, we then got Andrew Everett versus Sean oh. Spears, flanked, of course, by Wardlow. Uh, Everett's debut here. Uh, he was, uh, t- instru- oh, he was it w- we were told, I should say, that he's won championships in eight different companies, which is a great way of introducing him mm-hmm. for people like me who didn't really know a lot about him to think, oh, this guy's a big deal. He's not yep. just a job where they've hoyed out against Sean Spears, although he did do the job pretty quickly. Um, he was using his athleticism to uh, escape Sean Spears. He gets sent into the corner, does a handstand on the corner to escape, which made me feel sad about Jake Atlas being injured all over again. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, leaps leaps around, high-flying skills, right into a C4 <laughs> from Sean Spears, who beats him in like a minute. But, I mean, not really a lot we want to say about this. I want to talk more about the promo. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a fine, what, 55-second match. Yes. There we go. Yeah. Uh, because afterwards... <laughs> He gets a microphone and shoot season is on. Um, he turns and he's, he's directing the down the camera lens that's in the ring, uh, mm-hmm. directing this straight to CM Punk, uh, asking if he really is still the best in the world. Um, he says, look, who I am, that's easy to explain. But what I am is a lot more complex. He says, I'm the guy Max sends to ensure a message is understood. I, I don't know where the line is normally until after I've crossed it. I I, I don't play within the lines, and there's no going to be no warnings from me, no apologies, nothing like that. There is a reason why I am called the chairman, Sean Spears says. And with one swing, CM Punk, you are going to remember me forever. He says, look, in my opinion, seven years retired is seven years too long. What was he calling him, Punker? Yeah, a punky, was it punky again? Punky or punky, yeah. yeah. Uh, And he says, look, next week, CM Punk, you, quote, not my words, Wardlow, won't be facing a green wrestler with a couple of years' experience. You're going to be facing Sean Spears, Dynamite, Wednesday. In five days, Michael Hamlet, the chairman cometh. Five days. He did he not drop in there a one move wonder? Yes. Sorry, I've that, to that, mention that. I wasn't sure if I just imagined that because I was just so in love with this promo. So the two things to note from this promo is, as Wilborn has given you there, this awesome verbiage like delivered so masterfully by Sean Spears, who knows the line went across it. For a guy that doesn't says he doesn't know about the line, <laughs> yes, he knows it, it pretty well to me. He knows exactly like how to dance across the line between being a little bit self effacing and incredibly sinister. So he's a, ultimately, he's a running buddy for MJF, but he found the way to almost elevate that status. He's not this comedic foil for Wardlow or this guy that MJF would cast aside in a second mm-hmm. if he just didn't need him anymore. He found a way for the benefit of building this match with CM Punk to make him seem like the most dangerous person that CM Punk had ever faced. The one guy you don't want is the guy who simply doesn't care what happens. He presented himself, oh, there was a, a psychopathic element to Sean Spears' lust for battering CM Punk, as if, not just Wardlow, but everybody else that's faced Punk has shown him a little bit too much respect. Mm -hmm. They've cared a little bit too much about the match with Punk, and Spears is not going to be that guy. So I love that element. But we cannot talk about this promo without talking about Wardlow. So this whole punk, for anybody that hasn't seen it, and I would recommend you go and watch it, it is framed. So as you say, Sean Spears is talking down the lens, and they do it in such a way that Wardlow literally looks like he's sitting on the shoulder of Sean Spears. Sean Spears is talking, and he's doing his cadence is such that you are allowed to register what he says and then go to Wardlow for the facial response to it. So everything Sean Spears is saying, 
you are sharing the reactions with Wardlow. Wardlow is the avatar for the viewer. So there are points where Sean Spears is talking himself up and Wardlow and his acting is so subtle and so impressive. Uh, like yeah, really play. subtle. You can see sometimes when Wardlow is thinking, oh yeah, I guess he's got a point. And then other times when he's going, God, I wish he'd shut. And every single one of them was measured with our reactions. And there's definitely Wardlow, deafening Wardlow chants. Huge Wardlow chants that Sean Spears just talks through. He gives them a second to breathe. He doesn't look, he doesn't acknowledge, he cracks back on with what he's got to say because that's how little he really thinks of those chants. And then, as soon as he does the, the tacit side swipe at the big man himself, Wardlow's face just turns. He stares off into the distance. He swallows that down, but he clearly takes it with him. Like, that has landed in a way that he won't forget. And when Sean Spades is absorbing those 10 power bombs one of these days, 10, 10, 10, Wardlow's going to remember moments like this, the stuff that he had to swallow for MGF's money. Even when Sean Spears wraps it, he does his little mic drop and it's really happened that he goes to leave. Sean Spears kind of gives the old thumbs up, side. hey, yeah, good one, big man. And the patronising double thumbs up that Wardlow gives him. One day I'm going to fucking kill you, mate. <laughs> Absolutely inspired stuff. Honestly, there is like the Diesel Batista energy that they've got with Wardlow right now is the turn that you cannot wait to see happen was just encapsulated. Honestly, I'm going to say as well here as it was in the Dynamite match come segment. Yeah. I thought it's one thing to deliver something as great as a punk match. It's quite another to then follow it up with something of sort of of equal renown. This might go missed by some because Rampage generally isn't seen as like as essential for you as Dynamite, a Sean Spears squash. Dare I say it, people might have like fast forward or had a bit of a get to the point and, and not really pick this mm. up. Please don't let this be part of your weekly AEW diet because this was absolutely tremendous. Superb storytelling. The Wardlow angle in general. It's worth having a pause for the cause here because, like, again, we've been a bit critical of AEW last week, and I don't think there's a lot on this rampage that necessarily arrested some... Why would there be? It was, you know, it was taped on the same way, same mm. night. But what this did was just show you why, like, fundamentally, this they're still the best at this. MJF Punk is the hottest rivalry in this company at the moment, and it's very much like a dream rivalry when CM Punk signed, and that they are using it as a Trojan horse for the Wardlow explosion inspired absolutely brilliant they have got you they're selling you this a level megastar program and in the meantime lining up the b1 to become an a1 mm-hmm. when it's finished sublime yeah i just thought this was absolutely sensational uh for all the reasons you mentioned there uh even the bit where he's stepping out there he's done the thumbs up yeah good one mate uh and he goes to step out the ring and there's just a little wasn't necessarily even a nod but just a tacit appreciation of the audience and their adoration for him. Do you know what Wardlow is when he... Because obviously the camera theoretically should be invisible. I know the rest has talked down the lens and you've got the hard camera and stuff. Wardlow right now is using the camera of the fans. He's Jim Halpert. Yeah. Like MJF and Sean Spears and Michael Scott, they have said and done something incredibly stupid again or obnoxious or infuriating. And we're all going, Jesus Christ. And Wardlow's feeling the exact same thing and he looks to us or he looks to people in the building so that we all know this is a shared like experience mm-hmm. And one of these days, enough's going to be enough. It's brilliant. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. 
Every week, you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. We have to talk next uh, about this uh, viral music video that followed. Uh, the acclaimed have been promising this for a while. Um, I don't know why it wasn't on the show. I swear they promised it. They did still. promise the dynamite, but we got there I'll in the take end. It. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to do this verbatim for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> but they made a music video with about Sting and Darby Allen. Uh, Anthony Bowens was uh, playing Darby <laughs> Allen perfectly, yeah. it's fair to say. Um, they are uh, talking about two grown men going through a goth phase, uh, and there was references to sending Darby Allen to the ER, <laughs> uh, Sting taking a buckle bomb, and him having a back because he's got a tiny gap. <laughs> the, the very, very start of it was like, I'm Darby Allen here with Stang, because that's like an in-joke about, I think, oh, Heath Slater said his name or something like that. Like, oh, my God, it's Stang. But <laughs> that's that something that stuck with Sting. Warm jackass reference as well, because he just got twatted yeah. after you doing the intro. So this was really funny. Um, it's As you say, I don't think like either of us could do it justice as a review, but it's, it's a good... Um, piss take at the expense of the element of the Darby Allen and Sting character that they take seriously because it means something to them, but is also there for the taking as a thing to mock. I found this incredibly cathartic as somebody that loathes Darby Allen's arty little videos. <laughs> I, know I know they're for some, I know they're for plenty, I know they're not for me. And I really, really enjoyed it being, lamp- like the, the, the format and the idea being lampooned yeah. in the way that it was. The acclaimed having the ability to very disrespectfully reduce things that mean a lot to these men to nothing, to trivial, laughable garbage. A coffin drop into a snow angel. Oh, my God. So, Bowen's, yeah, to describe that, 
Bowens drops off what we're led to believe is a height with a coffin drop, only for the camera to catch it up, find that it's no height at all, and he's landed in perfectly soft snow with which to do snow angels, <laughs> dressed in like those Darby Allen shorts and jeans thingy as well, which on a guy as big as Bowens, like Darby Allen kind of gets away with those very, very skinny fit clothes, don't they? But Bowens looked like a giant man in children's clothes in Darby Allen's gear. So that was for, he had like the words across his chest. Mm-hmm. Like this was really, really strong stuff. And I, I fair play, right? Because. Darby Allen's not for me for reasons in and out of the ring, but that act is like really easy to take the piss out of. Like, but Darby Allen has to take it like that means a great deal to him, and like he's got to take that seriously and get over and stay over with it. I'm going to do the comparison, and maybe this is the week to do it because we might get some of the AW fans back on side. You absolutely could not do this in WWE. No, like the characters are nowhere near well drawn enough that if you do a video like this that just incinerates a gimmick, that gimmick is dead. Mm. Like Sting and Darby Allen after this in WWE are absolutely dead because the the jokes would be too um, on the nose and they would highlight all the flaws of the gimmick and then next week Darby Allen and Sting would have to come out and sell this like you know it never happened all of it would be crucified in AEW Darby and Sting have kind of got to take this one on the chin and then put the acclaimed in their place for having the sort of having their way of living made a fool out of and they're gonna as well mm. that's the you watch this knowing that like uppance will come on the acclaimed and it's going to be like it's going to be more fun as a result they've taken something that felt very oh, 20 late 2021 AEW, a fight for a fight sick and they kind of poured some petrol on it yeah i'm sort of interested in the payoff now no i really like this uh, i'm just looking forward to sting's response his diss track on uh, <laughs> dynamite this coming week maybe they can do a line like uh, sorry boys that you're not so good at selling houses which we think is a crowd thing then we just say real estate Steve wearing like one of them red blazers <laughs> flogging a house to a nice couple or something like that uh, now the other side of this of course is they then had a six woman tag mm. with no entrances which yeah is a bit like you know I'm not going to sit here and say like they shouldn't have done the music video or the Sean Spears promo but they're not exactly helping their image when they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. anyway, there's six women in a ring and they're getting eight minutes and there we go. And the thing is, so, yeah, you're right. Like, obviously, the, I would say it's not about what came just before it to take the time away, but Colin Trent was a bit of a head drop festival. Shave a couple of minutes off that and mm-hmm. nobody's going to miss it and these women are going to feel like they've got more of a, like a position of some prestige. If I'm being honest, like, lose a minute of this match. yes. This, I'll, like, obviously, I'll sorry, I'll let you do the recap and jump in ahead a little bit. From the moment it was booked to the way that it was built on Dynamite, it existed for one reason. That reason showed itself on the night. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a lot of match before they got to that point. So you could even, for the entrance, entrances aren't for everybody, but they do matter. And it does sort of get a lot of the characters over as being feature players rather than, you know what, like, currently in the ring can sometimes mean in wrestling. Not always. You can absolutely start a show with two big stars and that, you know, that can be fine. But I think the women's division needs as much as it can get. It still needs the bells and whistles as much as the actual in-ring action. So I would have said maybe if you absolutely can't find time elsewhere, like shave in-ring time from Mm -hmm. these matches to find it. It's only an hour of TV. Uh, Well, we got uh, Nyla Rose, Penelope Ford and the Bunny versus Chris Statlander. God bless you. Hang on. God bless you. God God bless me. Alayla Hirsch. And God bless... United States. Uh, and Red Velvet. And the question was, can Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch coexist? Well, we'll find out. Uh, no, because um, early on, uh, Hirsch tags herself in. She's like, I'll take her in and get her out of the 
out of my ring sort yeah. of thing. Statlander uh, hit uh, Bonnie with a spinning power slam. Uh, Hirsch hit an assisted moonsault on uh, on Bonnie for a two count. Um, and then in comes Red Velvet and Nyla Rose. Love Nyla Rose. Just trucks her, yeah. as we've uh, got used to saying a lot recently. Knocks everyone out to take us to uh, a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, Nyla Rose hits a choke slam. That gets a near fall. Statlander gets the hot tag, takes out Bunny with a boot. Uh, Gord Buster on um, Penelope Ford. Ford goes to that springboard cutter, and then Statlander avoided it and locked in a move I've literally never seen before. Eyes popping out of my goddamn head for this spot, I, by the way. Because for a split second, I was watching this right. She locked in the spider crab, okay? Submission move, uh, which the bunny had to come in and save her from. But I thought for a split second... God, they're faffing about. Because I thought they were going to do some weird, convoluted, both shoulders are on the mat. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not going to be the finishing pinfall, mm. but there's going to be an attempted pin here. And I was like, my God, this is getting a bit, oh my God, what's that? Yeah, this is what I mean. Like, there was, for me, like, until you hit the home straight, there was a, a bit too much and nothing in the early part of the match that you probably could have saved time on because this got great. Yeah, um, so Bunny breaks it up. Then she hits a blue thunderbomb for her troubles. Um Layla Hirsch tags herself in again. Uh, another argument between Statlander and Hirsch, uh, and that allows Bunny to shove Layla into Chris Statlander, rolls her up, and gets the pinfall victory. They can't coexist. They can't coexist with Bond. They just can't. And the thing is, like, I like this enough, but the reason we're kind of saying that condescendingly, it's not just that WWE have made it a trope, it's that it was a thick trope to begin with. They can't coexist, so at this point, why would they bother? You know, like, it was already getting frosty on, um, it's for Layla Hirsch heel turn. She's the one, she's cars and all this, but do it now. Or if you're um, Chris Statlander, just accept that this team is not going to work out, you know, and back away from the situation. I, I'm starting to think that maybe Layla Hirsch will be the reason for Orange Cassidy and... Um, Me too. I know AEW's not much of a running company, they're not the big on interruptions. But I have a feeling <laughs> Layla Hirsch might be there with the interruption on Wednesday to pull a trigger on that story because you cannot keep these together much longer without it becoming patronising. How many times did we say, why don't Nia and Shayna just stop tagging when they <laughs> lost the tag titles? Because yeah. it was like the belts was the convenience of their relationship. There's never been an established convenience in this relationship. If anything, the biggest loser out of all this is Red Velvet because she's stuck with these two people that just can't get along. So I hope that Hirsch has taken this loss, not on the chin, but... Is going to take it out on Chris Statlander, and that's going to like factor in because all the building blocks are in place. But the longer you try and keep this going, the stupider the characters get. The match got great at the end, and I want to give a personal shout out not just for that submission, but I thought Penelope Ford was excellent in yeah. this. Like, there are a lot of times, and it's typically in tags where Penelope Ford would be seen as a show stealer if the matches themselves stole the show. Yes. And one of the only occasions it didn't was when it was on that dynamite because everybody else is bleeding all over. So she kind of like, she got lost in the headlines of that. But typically on these uh, six women matches or in the tag matches, Penelope Ford's a highlight of it. And like more for her in 2022 because she never, like she, I'm sure we've said this about her specifically before. I can't think of many people that maximize their minutes more than Penelope Ford. No, that's fair. Uh, we got the men of the year. Um, Ethan Page claiming credit for Cody missing AEW and Scorpio Sky fuming at not getting a TNT title shot when he is the face of TNT. I hated this. Um, Scorpio Sky's right. Yes. Like, and not just right, bang right, dangerously right. Data like, there to back it up. Dangerously right. He tweeted this the other week. 
And if I wasn't aware that he was getting some sort of five-year deal, I think he would be intentionally trying to hijack an angle. We've said this before. Don't make your authority figures, if you have to have them, or the company at large, inept. Don't make them look negligent. Why is Scorpio... Like, what you got was hard data and evidence as to why Scorpio Star should be getting everything he's asking for and no reason as to why that's not. So then you have to make the reasons up for yourself. So you have to decide, well, hang on, so are these heels right about Cody taking advantage? And if they are, who's at the heart of Cody getting all these advantages? And if it's Cody, why are we not just seeing him as this corrupt authority figure and why is he trying to be... Too many questions, questions that shouldn't be asking. Scorpio Sky is a heel and is yet way too justified in his anger <laughs> with the company. And I'm bored of Men of the Year versus Cody anyway. Mm. And we've not even had the big payoffs. And I feel like we've kind of, we've done dusted. Like, Brandy and Dan Lambert's stuff was such a big overreach at Christmas that I think all the heat was in that and it's all gone before we've even got to X versus Cody. I didn't like this. Uh, and then Ricky Starks from the commentary desk starts cutting a promo on Jay Lethal. Didn't appreciate him tugging at his cape, interfering with Team Taz's business. He says he's going to learn. Uh, and then Jay Lethal comes out with a with a live mic out of the uh, tunnel, um, saying, Look, I've been watching this AW product for a while. I'm, I'm not particularly happy with what you've been doing, particularly with Team Taz and Dante Martin. Makes him sick to his stomach, he says. Uh, and he challenges Ricky Starks to put that FTW championship on the line. But he says, I know you've got to get permission from your dad, uh, from Taz. Uh, so go ahead and do that, and maybe we'll see about it next week. Um, Ricky Starks is fuming, gets up. Referees fly out to make sure they don't come to blows. And uh, Team Taz is effing and jeffing on commentary. He's furious. Yeah, I've been watching AW a long time as well. And I'm not very happy with what I'm watching here, but I don't get to come out and just make matches, do I? Jay Lethal. Um, I, another thing that probably could have gone from this show, to be honest, like the sake of... Rampage doesn't have the problem Dynamite has because it's two hours of it versus the one, but it's about things not being able to breathe sometimes, and this was an angle too many for me. Like, following the Men of the Year thing in particular, it just felt like, right, there's a lot of this, and I, I just didn't, like, there's a lot of, um, like, it, it's, it is angle advancement, it is. That's It wouldn't be fair to say it's like, it's fluff. They're trying to move things forward in the stories. But this one in particular, I don't, it's... AEW are asking an audience, a large portion of which I feel anecdotally don't particularly want to support Jay Lethal to get on a hero's journey with him through Team Taz. And I, it just feels completely at odds with... They don't get this wrong very often, but it feels completely odds with enough of a portion of the audience that mm. I, I don't think this is going to land. I want Team Taz as a collective to batter Jay Lethal. <laughs> like, I, like, because you've said it on this podcast, I want to see Powerhouse Hobbs truck him. I want to see Taz's kid hook him. Yeah. And I want to see Ricky Starks fuck him. Like, <laughs> and that be the end of Jay Lethal, like, in his quest for the FTW title. But, you know, like, I don't know how else I'm, I, I'm supposed to not think any of those things, am I? Yeah, exactly. Uh, bloody hell, he ran through dynamite. Stacked show. One, two, three, four, five. Six things already advertised, and then they added a seventh here. Uh, not only are we getting the return of Cody Rhodes and the mixed tag and Punk Spears and. Serena D versus Sky oh Blue, but also added now the House of Black versus Varsity Blondes. Not a good week to me. <laughs> Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison, he said. I don't they get their own graphic as well. The graphic's extra toxic. Um, the, obviously, the graphic maker has been poisoned by the noxious juice or something. <laughs> like the, I, uh, well, this is preview fodder, but like if 
even half of this dynamite comes off, all is forgiven after last yes, week. Yes, exactly. Jesus, Jesus Christ, what a lineup! Uh, right, uh, we had the usual. By the way, don't like them mugging off Mark Henry and just put him in a little box at the bottom. Put that man in the middle. I See mean, that? I was furious. I mean, they are marginalising the man that gets the biggest pop from that segment. So, yeah. so he, before the main event, uh, Mark Henry asks John Silver and Alex Reynolds if they're ready. Uh, and uh, they say, yep, yeah, we're not only ready, we're going to win tonight. And the song at the end is going to sound like this. And they bust out some kazoos, because mm-hmm. Christian Cage on the other side, um, sing about joining them, Christian Cage having none of this, yes. to say the least. Um, well, good, because they were playing them backwards. Oh, yeah. Big bastards. So, he says, imagine what, just imagine what Jurassic Express are going to do to you tonight. And then... Well, looks like we've had enough talk. It's time for the main event. Huge pop. Huge pop. Silver mouthed it along with him, as he always does. Oh, Massive. Aye. Uh, Christian, uh, Christian was great by the way. So like, yeah, think of what I can do with a kazoo. Now worry what I can do with guys like Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Yep. Take that, John Silver. And I will give Chris Jericho credit for mm-hmm. once. Not been a fan of his for a while now. But when Jungle Boy made his entrance and he went, eh, you know what, I'm not usually a fan of uh, fans singing along to a song, but <laughs> I'll allow it with this yeah, one. That was cute. a nice touch. Um, yeah, great match. This... Um, Early on, Jungle Boy hits a somersault senton. That gets a near fall. Uh, Reynolds counters a backdrop attempt, gets a backslide. That gets a two count. In comes Silver, who uh, trucks Jungle Boy mm-hmm. uh, with a clothesline. High back body drop, leaps to the outside. Uh, no, takes out Luchasaurus, tope to Jungle Boy, and then gets in Christian Cage's face. Love that. Um Later on, Jungle Boy goes for a dive on Silver, and Silver just catches him and holds him up in a suplex to allow Reynolds to dive through the ropes and knock him down on the floor. Really like that spot. Um, Luchasaurus gets the hot tag, dominates both of them, double clothesline, chokeslams Silver on top of Reynolds. Um, but then Silver Drake, uh, drops Luchasaurus out to the floor with a low bridge. Jungle Boy hits a German suplex on Silver. Uh, then it's Jungle Boy and Alex Reynolds fighting on the top rope. Silver's up there with them. Uh, and then Luchasaurus gets involved. They had a spot like this on SmackDown. And I was like, you do know your partner's up there, <laughs> don't you? Uh, but yeah, there's a big stacked up superplex spot powerbomb thing that happens. I thought it was really laboured, by the way. Mm. I know they were trying to delay it to make it seem more convincing. But, like, the last time a Tower of Doom was convincing was, like, 2003. Yeah, like, that is a wheel you cannot reinvent. It is very much like, you go, oh, that's the person on the top rope. Oh, there's someone trying to take him off top rope. And then the moment they move slightly to the side, <laughs> to allow you're like, oh, cool, so it's a Tower of Doom. Well, that's the thing that never happens unless this thing is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I never understand, like, if you were fighting with two other people, I yeah. wouldn't think, I'll tell you what's going to be good here. So if I slam them two and you go... <laughs> anyway, the only exception is if, in, like, if Ray Phoenix is in the match and he like runs just like a like a um, off Penta's back or something, yeah, and it like a sunset flip bomb to the arena floor, like with the guy that's on the top of the, mm. the Tower of Doom, maybe with something like that in the match. But when you can start counting the bodies, you're like, oh, yeah, that's everybody. The end. <laughs> um, so as everyone's recovering, uh, Reynolds and Silver they go after Luchasaurus with kicks. Um, and they hit this whole series of, of mad moves on Jungle Boy. Rolling elbow, Gamanguri, stunner, German suplex. Uh, Reynolds gets a jackknife cover, and that gets a brilliant near fall. Um, 
But Jungle Boy comes back, rebound Larry on uh, Alex Reynolds. It's a step up Rana on Silver on the apron. That sends him into Evil Uno out on the floor. Uh, Jungle Boy does that thing where he springs off Luchasaurus into a Canadian Destroyer on, on Alex Reynolds. That gets another near fall. Uh, and they finally work together, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. A double team cutter on Reynolds. Uh, Jungle Boy dives to the outside to take Silver out on the floor. And Luchasaurus covers Alex Reynolds to leave Jurassic Express as leaving still your AEW Tag Team Champions. Yeah, there were elements of this I really liked. I would describe this as a choice main event. It's not the sort of one that you would go back and watch again. It's not the sort of match that you ever... And wrestling's tricky, especially in 2022, because you kind of know why these matches exist. It's important for the champions to get off on a good foot in their title reign. And, you know, you, you knew it from Wednesday when the they walked into shot and Christian made the gag about them. Oh, if you find a top five team, let me know. <laughs> like the Silver and Reynolds were there to be the first losers rather than um, like pull out a shock upset win or anything like that. So there's none of that. And they, they never really approached that drama in truth. It was just a very well-worked, um, above average mm-hmm. tag main event. I it sounds like I'm being critical by default. I, I don't mean to be. I, like a lot of, I think your entertainment with John Silver's flurries Certainly mine subjectively come from how how he obscures that it's going to happen. Mm. And I didn't really get that in this. I thought I was watching, rather than watching John Silver get the um, like invincibility star in Sonic mm-hmm. and then just go absolutely ape for like a minute and a half where you can almost hear the music in the background. I kind of thought, right, we're leading up to the John Silver series of spots and he did it. And it, like, it's still really well performed and really well executed, but sometimes it just doesn't feel like it's necessarily suiting the flow of the match. And then when he did it and the match just carried on anyway, Jungle Boy and Luke Stars kind of had the ones of their own. And I know they've got to be the champions. They've got to be the best. But it kind of, like, you want that silver thing. It works better against heels because you want that silver thing to be the most special thing in the match. And when it was working at its baby faces, they were about to now, they've got invisibility stars. And I've got invisibility stars. And so everyone's a double agent. We've had a lot of office in this episode. Everybody's a double agent pointing guns at each other. You know, it's like, so everybody's skills are sort of almost cancelled out as a result. My favourite thing about this whole match, because I'm going to just end on a wider point, if I may, that isn't necessarily to do with this match, but yeah. a, some, a bigger feeling I've had about something with AW for a while. My favourite thing about this match was Jungle Boy does a dive onto John Silver on the floor and he takes one look at Anna Jay and Anna Jay shoots one look at him and Jungle Boy, to a member of the crowd in the front row, looks and goes, oh, she's pretty hot, isn't she? While Luchasaurus is getting the pin right. That's never acknowledged by the commentators. That's never there for anything other than those characters knowing their audience and us knowing them. And I'm not watching Luchasaurus in the ring. I'm this little dweeb that's going, I know they do it in real life. <laughs> Wanting to watch if there's any acknowledgement of their relationship and the one they come up with is perfect. It's absolutely nailed on. It's the realistic acknowledgement of, oh, she's pretty hot, isn't she? Like that. And then them having, and Anna Jay gives them a little look and we all know and they know and we all know. And that's it. It's not laboured upon. It's subtle. It's sweet. Yeah. AEW's a nice place where nice things happen f- for nice people. And I just thought that was like, that's what this promotion is. There's this promotion, Von Wagner would like this promotion because what's this promotion got? It's got heart. <laughs> and I, just, I really appreciated that. A quick thing on Jungle Boy specifically. I think, and it's taken me a while to arrive at this, the mere canonization of the four pillars might have been the worst thing to ever happen to the four pillars. When we used to talk about, it's so exciting seeing MJ over the last two years, seeing MJF and Sam Guevara and Jungle Boy and Darby Allen rise up all at the same time. And now they're starting to enter the conversation for the title. So much, and I remember the week we did this, so much so that you can already see the pillars forming underneath them, the Daniel Garcia's of the world, the, the next generation. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, that was this, this conversation we were having at the time. Ever since they've been named as such, yes, with the exception of MJF, I feel like the pillars are crumbling a little bit. Under the weight. 
of the pressure and the mm-hmm. expectation. Um, Darby Allen is trundling a little bit. Britt Baker's title reign undulates in a way that I think, no matter how she over... Gets she, the point. she gets to the point with Jamie. She's yeah. so over. She's so over that the matches are kind of being affected by that because they kind of feel like they don't matter. Mm-hmm. You've got Jamie here and you've got Thunder Rosa here. Huge, enormous things. Big chapter points in Britt Baker's story. But as a result, a title reign, like her matches are lacking a certain suspense as a yeah. result and her angles are feeling dangerously underwritten. The Riho one in particular. Um, Sammy Guevara has... Good and bad nights as a baby face. I think it's about as generous as I can be. It doesn't always click. Um, and Jungle Boy, his tag title win should have felt bigger because a pillar has just won a belt. The injury did hamper it, but I think we all agreed it wasn't the only reason no, why that, that match didn't land. And I just don't know. I just don't know if I haven't felt for Jungle Boy in a while what I'm supposed to as this supposed pillar. And I wonder if... The, and it's like it's getting tossed off in commentary now, isn't it, as well? Hey, uh, Jungle Boy, of course, one of our pillars, as if like... It's almost like a WWE branded thing. <laughs> yes. MJF is a pillar doing pillar stuff. That is without question. Like you really, like the Derby Allen match, next level stuff. The CM Punk stuff, next level. I don't know. I want that to go away now. Like I want that to be. I think it's fair. I, w- I want that. Like, let's have it. it it's like the, the, the show not tell promotion, aren't they? They've told us and it's like, all right, you've told us, put it back in the box and let's actually see them live up to the moniker rather than just have it thrust upon them every week. Mm, indeed. Well, let us know your thoughts on that and everything that went down on AEW Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, say, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit, be nicer this week. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE and make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday to preview AEW Dynamite, of course. Um, and today we've already done the SmackDown review and later on we'll be back with the Monday Night Raw preview. But for now, this has been the AW Rampage review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us and we will see you soon. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.